Thanks for downloading the 28th in our series of episodes of the C-Suite podcast that we're recording in partnership with the European PR agency Taito and the Rome Without Borders podcast where we are interviewing leaders of unicorn companies to find out about the key issues, pain points and challenges that startups face and how they can address them with a strategic approach to marketing and communications. Uh, my name is Russell Goldsmith. My co-host for this episode is Taito's senior partner, Holly Justice. And today we are thrilled to be joined by Roman Moulon, co-founder and CEO of the global robotics company Exotech. Uh, Founded in 2015, the company has since secured $477 million in funding, reaching unicorn status in January 2022 with a valuation of $2 billion. Welcome to the show, Roman. Can we start by you giving us a bit of background to the company and also just maybe talk about the area of business that you are seeking to disrupt? Thank you for uh, taking the time of uh, hosting me. So what we do in Exotech is robotics for warehouses. You have to understand that if you place an order online to an e-commerce player, um, you have people wandering on the warehouse to find the article you have ordered, to put them in the same box and to send them to you. And in fact, this is a difficult job. You could do 15 kilometers per day doing that. And you really need an army of people in the warehouse um, to do this job. So we, what we propose to our customer is a robotics system based on a fleet of 3D mobile robots, which are able to evolve everywhere in the warehouse, but also up to the ceiling. And by doing so, the robots are bringing the articles to the operator, and the operator can really prepare your order very fast, multiply by five, it will go five times faster. And you can also store your article in a very dense manner up to the ceiling of the warehouse and really fill your warehouse with, uh, with your articles. So storage and speed are really what we bring to our customers. And we bring this with a lot of flexibility because, in fact, if you discuss with an e-commerce player, they don't know what they do in three or four years. So you need to give them a system that they can modify. And if they do 20% more order, we come back, we add 20% more robots. So having the best of performance and the best of flexibility within the distribution center, that's really our job. And Roman, tell us a little bit about your personal entrepreneurial journey. I think if I understand it correctly, Exotech is the first company you founded, but you've got a kind of a, a long history and experience in the robotics area. What, what's it been like this time around founding a company? You're perfectly right, Holly. Uh, Exotech was the first company we founded with Renault. We are two founders. We had the same kind of uh, career. We started our career as engineers in an AGV company. AGV are automated forklift. It's moving pallets in the warehouse. Same kind of uh, robotic system, but for pallets and not uh, single articles. And then we moved to GE Healthcare. GE Healthcare, they are doing medical imager, X-ray imager. And to understand how we built Exotech, you need these two pieces of our career because one piece is logistic, our first job. That's where we learned what's going inside the warehouses. But the general electric part is also super important because they were already developing advanced robotics and product that they would send all over the world. So we have built a company based on these two experiences and by our willingness to to try to bring something new and bring something disruptive to, to logistics. I mentioned in my intro how much funding you've raised in total so far. The most recent of that, the Series D funding earlier this year, was at $335 million. so impressive numbers. What I was keen to find out was, in terms of 
where that money now is going to be used with with the company how are you investing in that you know what what's the plans maybe for the next 12 months or so but also in terms of the development of, of exotech we now are on a huge market it's a 30 billion at least maybe even 50 billion uh, dollar market with only a few players and we really want to take exotech into being a major player of this field. Our competitors are six or seven. They do from 1 billion to 3 billion revenue. Uh, this year, we'll do 180 million. So we must take Exotech within this big player doing robotics instead of traditional automation. That's the way. To do that, we have two axes on which we must build the R&D. We need the different building blocks to be able to deploy fully robotized warehouse. I talked about the, the Skypod system with the, this 3D robot, which is in the center of the warehouse. But the warehouse, it's nothing more than a big factory, which is processing orders uh, from the truck, which are unloading, to the truck, which are loading. So we'll build the different bricks to be able to have this uh, value proposal to our customer. So a very technological and R&D uh, expenses, I would say. And on the other side, it's really about building our footprint on our different territories. Right now, we have system in uh, France, in uh, Belgium, in Netherlands, in um, Italy, a bit all over Europe, in uh, Japan, in the US, in Canada. But uh, it's been five years that we are selling in uh, Europe. It's been only two years we are selling in Japan and US. So these countries are still, there's still a lot of uh, revenue to be made in this country. So we will accelerate very strongly on marketing and sales on these different territories. And just coming back to the topic of leadership for a minute, are there any individuals that have had a huge impact in your development as a leader? And if so, who are they and, and why? I think there are two kinds of individuals, and one which are more personal. Usually my different uh, manager or boss in the different companies have really brought me a lot. I could talk about my first boss and uh, my first manager in this PA system first company. What I learned from them is that uh, doing business in what we do, it's a B2B business. It's really uh, about trust and about um, yeah the confidence that you build to your end customer. Because this system, there are 2 million for the smallest one to $30 million system. And for a customer to place to you a $30 million purchase order, you need to have built a very strong trust. So you cannot bullshit, you cannot fake, you cannot lie. You must be super uh, rigorous in what you say and give clear answer uh, to, to their question. And um, in fact, I was happy because I was out of school uh, discovering uh, the world of business and I was expecting, uh, expecting maybe uh, to be disappointed and I was not disappointed at all. And I saw that by being really uh, right and uh, clear, you can really build a big business. And the other uh, people I was uh, inspired from before building uh, Exotech, I learned a lot about some key leader, uh, Jeff Bezos or people like that, so quite traditional stuff. But uh, what uh, we saw and we learned from uh, this, uh, usually uh, business books or stuff like that, is that uh, the culture of the company is super important. We had that feeling also from our former company, but we saw that great businesses were built upon great cultures. And uh, we have spent uh, a tremendous amount of time building that culture and ensuring that the culture would be respected. Because when uh, comes the storms, you are more than happy to have a culture. It's not more about uh, processes or product. That's really about how your people are working. And uh, it, so far, it went uh, very well at Exotech. 
And I guess to build that culture and, and culture of trust internally and externally, you need to have some exceptional skills as a leader. What do you think are your main strengths when it comes to leadership skills? And then maybe what are some of them that you've got that you've built as part of the, the wider Exotech management team? I would not say that I have exceptional strength, but I can tell you what is the culture of the manager at Exotech and who uh, oh, I'm using that every day. Uh, we want people to be simple, low ego people, which I can take the example of our uh, sales uh, directors that we hired just a few years after Exotech. That guy he was from our business. He was uh, 55 and he has seen everything and he knows he's a kind of legend and we had the chance of uh, catching that guy. But yet he had the humility to understand what we were doing differently and how we could bring to, to the business and uh, keeping having people which are able to keep this uh, humility and uh, listening what the other has to say is super important on the, on the sea level. And that's, we take extreme care uh, bringing sea level, which have this uh, spirit of uh, they know what they do, they know what they say, but at some point when they don't know, they just listen and they build uh, on that. I think you can really destroy quite fast the, the, the ambience of a company if you bring someone which would have something to prove and uh, that would not be simple. Simple, it might be the best way to, <laughs> to sum it up. And we try to have also an extreme rigor everywhere in the company, meaning in Exotech, we say uh, almost passes fail. It means uh, if you have delivered something to your customer, you need to test it and all of your test plan condition must be passed. If one of your test plan condition is fail, then your test is fail, full test is fail. So the joke is that if someone, if I ask to someone who is going your test and he tells me it's almost passed, I will answer by definition it's fail. And it's extremely important to have such rigor because our system are critical to all of our customers. And as I said, when you want to build confidence, you need to be super clean and uh, super rigorous on what you deliver. So we have spent a lot of time developing this uh, uh, this mindset in the company. And as a leader, you need to be exactly like that. <laughs> if you do, if you do to people almost passive fail and you are just approximating what you say, then you have a problem. That actually leads quite nicely onto an area that we're keen to focus on, which is, which is culture. I'll, I'll come back to that in a second, because the other topic that, that we look at is communications as well. And what I was keen to find out, first of all, was, you know, when you came through that milestone of becoming a unicorn. Did that change the perception of the company in any way at all? That's a very interesting question. So at first with Renault, the co-founder, we were telling us uh, being a unicorn is not uh, a target. And we want people uh, in Exotech to understand that uh, what they must do is uh, take purchase order and execute them perfectly. So we did not have uh, plans to make a lot of advertising around it, I would say. But we saw, in fact, that people were super happy to have this recognition of the market. And this is a status that your employees are extremely uh, proud of. So, of course, we, we built on that. What it changes on the market, and on the market was very visible, in, we were the 25th unicorn of, uh, of France. And uh, that was uh, sticking to a plan made by the government to have 25 unicorns in a certain amount of time. So it made us a lot of advertising because uh, Macron just talked about us <laughs> because we were the 25th. And we are also an industrial unicorn. We are the first industrial unicorn in France. So it made a big uh, noise on the market, also in Europe. And having Goldman Sachs within the investor also made a, a big reputation in the US. So 
in terms of awareness of the brand, that's what was the biggest change. It, it created a lot of uh, communication on the different medias and a lot of awareness of Exotic worldwide. And what about in terms of differentiating yourself in you know within the industry and, and your communications? How are you achieving that? We tend to call us uh, doing um, warehouse robotics uh, instead of warehouse automation. And um, what I said about um, our ability to deliver flexible systems, to deliver them fast, it's really, for us, a key differentiator. Of course, we have some technological differentiator. We are the only one to have these robots which move on the ground and then climb in three dimension uh, on the rack. But this will uh, amuse your customer for a while, but in the end, he wants to know uh, if the orders are in the truck at the right time. And uh, if he can uh, change his logistic uh, needs tomorrow and have a system which is still responding. So we, we, we build a lot of uh, our differentiation on this aspect of flexibility. Just out of interest, though, in terms of like the communication channels that you use, is there anything that you know specific that you focus on at all? As I said, we are quite a very B2B business. So on uh, specific medias, you know, if you hit the right media, you know that uh, half, at least half of the supply chain manager are really hit. So you can really spend your energy on a few media, uh, very uh, professional uh, and specific medias. And then I would say the big channel for us is also LinkedIn, which is um, seen a lot by the different customer. I'm talking to you a lot about our B2B communication, meaning the customization for the customers. We have also uh, an employer communication because hiring is a key for us. And then, of course, on hiring, you can go on broader media, uh, Instagram or things like that. And just coming back to, I mean, you were talking about the C-level people that you're bringing in and, and how you're... You know, communicating internally, which we'll, we'll focus on in a second as well. But the other side that we're keen to look at is is that culture within the business. You know, how have you nurtured that? How, well, how would you describe the culture with, within your company? The culture of Exotech, I would say we have two brains. Uh, one side of our brains would be the quite typical uh, software startup uh, mindset, uh, which is uh, going fast, delivering things to the market, and then seeing what happens. You can do that in software. You need a piece of that in your brain. But if you have just that brain, it will not work for a company like us because we deliver also hardware to the site. If you deliver hardware, it means you have an install base and you cannot update it. So you need, on the other side of your brain, a perfect execution. And everything I was talking about this almost passive fail. You need an industrial quality grade to be able to deliver this robot on the field that will last for at least 10 years. So you need to go fast, you need to be agile, this is one side of your brain, but you need extreme quality on what you're delivering. And playing with uh, these both aspects of our job is probably the biggest aspect and challenge of the culture. Because if you are just focused on uh, industrial quality grade, you slow down. If you are just uh, focused on uh, innovation and uh, going as fast as possible, you create a depth on your install base, and at some point, uh, you, you create dramas on your on your customer. So you need to go fast with extreme quality and balance, because of course, sometimes both are contradictory. So extreme quality first, but then going fast. And as we record this podcast, there's a lot of economic uncertainty around at the moment. How do you or how are you planning to adjust your communications approach to maintain the huge confidence that you've built up in Exotech? Right now, I should say further that I don't see our field slowing down. 
I know that everybody is feeling the crisis and we have some impact, for instance, on the price of raw material. We have some price of some uh, availability of uh, components. So we have to redesign uh, to get around this uh, unavailability. We had no shortages so far, but I still see a very good confidence in our customer willingness to invest because in fact, one driver of the willingness to invest in our system is a labor shortage. People, they don't find the people to do the job in their TCs. I told you it requires an army usually, and it's a difficult job. So it could be in Europe, it could be in Japan, it could be in the US. I'm hearing the same story. They don't have the availability of the workforce to do the job. So they know that even if uh, some uh, downside in uh, the economics uh, happens, they will still have their problems. So the transformation of their supply chain, which is happening, is not slowing down. And so, so far, Exotech, I hope uh, it will last, but um, we are keeping the same speed uh, on the market and uh, we have very good uh, future in front of us. And can you share any um, approaches that you guys have taken to internal communications that have worked really well for the business? I'm used to say that I'm a lazy guy, so I show the same slide to my investor, I saw the same slide to the customer, and so the same slide to the employees. So every month, we have, in fact, meetings which are happening one after the other, the C-level meeting, where everybody reports what's happening. Uh, we compile that into the board meeting, so that we share approximately the same stuff as we were telling the day before with the investor. And one day after, we compile that into the whole employee meeting, and we explain the employee where we are, where we are going. So uh, transparency is also very important in that company. Of course, transparency was uh, obvious when you are 20 people or 30 people. We are now more than 400. Uh, but um, keeping this transparency, once again, allow you to go much faster because everybody understands where you are going. And as your complexity and your department grows, if they know why you do that, and why you are going in that direction, avoid to put processes everywhere because people, they understand what they're doing for the end customer. At the end, you just need an end customer which is satisfied. So I think this transparency in the internal communication has saved us a lot of time and dramas. How involved have you been? Like you say, you've just you've grown from 20 to, to 400. How involved were you in, in that recruitment process? And do you get to to meet the new you know, starters at, at any point? Until 50 people, I uh, think uh, Renault and I had seen everybody. And uh, we made uh, the most important maybe uh, hiring of Exotech uh, when we hired uh, Jules Briata, which is the HR manager. At that time, he was a uh, headhunter. But uh, by the moment we took that guy and we took it quite soon in the company, uh, we it created a war machine in terms of uh, hiring and onboarding and, uh, and then training. And uh, without that, we would still be uh, probably 200 people and uh, probably late on all, uh, all deployment of the project. So yes, uh, HR and uh, the ability to hire and to get people on board was most of the most important function. And you cannot do it yourself, for sure. Past 50 people, it does not work anymore. But do you, do you still try and get to to speak to them, even, even if it's as a group, you know, for the new starters? Yeah, so um, I see everybody in a, a training session. So when they come, every two weeks, uh, I take the newcomers and I take uh, two, two hours with them explaining uh, who we are, what we do, the culture we were talking about, all these key aspects, which is extremely um, 
valuable and I've, we had feedback that the, the employees love it. So, that, so that's on the internal communication side. What about external? You know, how do you view your role as a spokesperson for the company? How, however long you've been doing that, have you, you know, have you learned anything in particular, you know, along the way? I, uh, I must say that I learned that I'm lucky because what I say about transparency, it also works uh, externally. So I managed to be the same guy uh, inside the company, outside the company, and to be uh, to have the same stories uh, to everybody, which makes my life much more easy. And I think I would be not uh, very confident if I had to say another story outside and inside. But uh, what I love more than anything is talking to to my end customer. And really, uh, what I was saying about building trust, I'm more a personal communicator than a broadcast uh, communicator. And... Uh, it's super important for me to be very close to the customer, to build, I'm still selling the big projects because that's how I build an understanding of the market, of what they need. And uh, with Renault uh, and the other, we discuss on what we should put in the roadmap to bring them more value. So that's really this uh, personal communication. That's what I love more than anything. That kind of personal approach is is really valuable though, because even if you're talking to you know a room of thousands or hundreds of people, if you lose sight of, of who you're trying to communicate with, you lose the audience, don't you? So I'm sure it's, it comes in very, very helpfully. Have you always been a natural communicator or is it something you've had to, to work towards or formulate a plan to be better at? I have to remind who I were when I was in school. I was um, at ease with uh, communication. Probably I was not that a good communicator and uh, it's within... Uh, my personal relations and uh, my, well, I would not be as uh, good as explaining you who we are and what we do if I was 20. That's thanks to my experiences from uh, 20 to 40 that I I understood at least what uh, people uh, in front of me uh, wanted to say and um, also to listen to people. I think it's super important. You could say that uh, when you are salespeople in our job, 90% of your job should be to listen to the customer and 10% to sell your stuff. And that's the opposite. And that's super important. And it was very well in personal relations also. So I would say that's what I learned <laughs> from 20 to 40, which has been confirmed in my uh, everyday life. Just out of interest in terms of that external communication, I mean, obviously we are having this conversation in English, which is not your first language. What's the the language that you use within the company? And and yeah, for internal communications, um, um, have you been comfortable in communicating in, in different languages during your time? Yeah, hopefully. Um, in General Electric, it was obvious. Uh, the Esperanto of General Electric was English, and everybody was talking English at General Electric. And uh, we discovered it really here, because our first company was more local, I would say. But in G, you saw that anything you write is in English. And you can even see sometimes people, they are... Uh, Everybody would be French in the same room and start to speak English. And it takes them 10 minutes to realize that there is no English in the room. Everybody can speak French, which is a good sign. And when we built that company, it was super important for us uh, not to build a local company. So from the scratch, everything in Exotech was written in English. And sometimes people at the very beginning would wonder why. But uh, after three years, uh, when we had uh, started to work with uh, the Italian, I think maybe it was the first uh, people we worked with, it was extremely uh, useful, of course. And you get all your documentation, which is already ready. And I think a second switch has happened. Uh, probably it was one year ago. Um, each uh, morning, we are doing a stand-up at uh, nine, and we take... Uh, 
just five minutes to explain to the company uh, what uh, different department is doing uh, today or what are the news from different departments. And that thing was in French until uh, last year. And uh, in fact, we, we switched to English very naturally because uh, now uh, half of the company is not talking French. So, but it's important uh, to, to put English very soon in the company and not to create a depth of uh, things in local language. We have uh, also very different, uh, there's been a question because we have some people in the company which are not talking very well English, but uh, well, you, you need to have everybody on board. So English is the only language. And, and for you, what has been your biggest communications challenge that you face personally in the journey? And how did, how did you overcome it? I think that this uh, switch from uh, talking to listening uh, was a uh, was the biggest challenge. When you are not confident, uh, you want to prove something, and uh, you talk too much. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you are just trying to to prove uh, something. And uh, I could even say that uh, this advice has been given to me by uh, by a friend uh, during a party, <laughs> and she told me I uh, stop to talk, listen, which I used a lot in that party, but also after in my business. And that might be, uh, yeah, one of the biggest challenges. And to come there, you need to to have confidence in uh, what you say and what you do, and uh, not being able to prove uh, everything and just uh, stop and listen. Roman, we we really appreciate the time you've you've given us. Uh, we've we've got one final question for you, which we've asked all our unicorn leaders, and that's if you were to go back in time and speak to your old self, what guidance would you give to yourself uh, when it comes to communications? Ah, that's exactly what I was saying before, this stuff about listening and uh, <laughs> talking. <laughs> well, I think uh, that stuff, I learned it when I was around uh, 35. Uh, don't talk and listen. And I could have been very helpful uh, from my very early days. So uh, at 18, I could have already used it. So yeah, listen and don't talk too much. Perfect. Uh, Roman Moulin, um, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us and uh, speak with us today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Holly, thoughts on uh, what Roman had to say? Oh, what a what a great chat and, and nice just such a likable guy that I think as a leader you can't help but fall under his spell, I suppose. The the thing that I think I'll take away from that discussion is the pass fail test that that he was talking about quite early on in our chat, and they've clearly applied the same kind of like scientific rigor that they've put into the product and the the robotics element that they've developed into their communications approach and making sure everything is kind of transparent and thoughtful and purposeful. And I think quite often you can you can easily cut corners when it comes to communications, but it has sometimes a disastrous or really negative effect. And so I think by making sure whenever you're making decisions from a communications point of view, you have that same kind of rigor and real tight decision-making process, I think you, you come out trumps. There's a couple of things that he mentioned that I picked up on. One was, I, I like the fact that he was saying, like he's just being himself, whether it's internal or external, he's saying the same story and transparency. And the thing that I was always told, which he kind of alluded to, was the two ears and, and one mouth and use it in that proportion. So um, no, really enjoyed it. Listen, if you want to find out more about Exotech, then very simply, their website is exotech.com. We'd love to hear your comments on today's chat. You can do that by sharing them on our Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter feeds, or you can do it in the uh, comments of the YouTube channel version of this podcast. 
Those are all linked uh, from the top of the website at csweetpodcast.com, where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes, uh, plus links to where you can follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via the likes of Spotify and Apple. And if you've liked what you heard, please do give us a positive rating and review. Uh, we're, of course, available on all podcast apps. Just search for the C-Suite Podcast, hit follow or subscribe. And you can also subscribe to the Without Borders podcast from our partners at Taito. All the details for that are on their website. Just head to taitopr.com and click on the podcast link in the top uh, nav bar. You can also download a copy of Growing Without Borders, the Unicorn CEO Guide to Communications and Culture uh, from Taito's website as well. And that is a great overview of the first 15 of our Unicorn interviews. If you are a Unicorn leader yourself and you'd like to be part of the series, please do get in touch via the contact form on the website at csweetpodcast.com. Uh, plus, of course, anyone can get in touch with any feedback you may have. And finally, uh, you can also reach me uh, directly via via Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith, or you can find me on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.